It's five o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. <laughs> hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. All right, uh, welcome in everybody. It is the Patrick Johnson Show here on 94.3 The Game. It's great to have you along. And uh, we've got uh, Pirate uh, Baseball on the mind today. And uh, this is from uh, ECU uh, Football Media Day. Uh, Good stuff there. And uh, looking forward to uh, what will be uh, hopefully a very, uh, you know, very interesting, very good uh, time as far as uh, ECU uh, sports go uh, and uh, ECU uh, Media Day. Oh, look, there's the big hen. How are you? Yeah, no, we're, we're, up, we're up and running live, big hen. You going to come visit? Yeah, here he comes. The great uh, Henry Hinton about to sit down and join us here on the day off. Have a seat. We're waiting. Our guest is late anyway. So, who's your guest? Mullis was going to stop by, because oh. he was he was hey involved now. in media day. Big uh, Hen, how are you? Am I on ninety four three? You are. I was once told I would never be allowed to be on ninety four three. I think this might be the first time I've ever. This been is on. a rare appearance on ninety four three. I think you've been just a couple times, right? Yeah, I just stuck my head in here because I heard your voice. Yeah. There you yeah, go. Your voice was resonating down the hall. What's going on with you, Big Hen? Uh, I've been busy today. Is that right? Very busy. What's been very happening? busy? Okay. Well, we've got a uh, we're interviewing somebody in the building right now, and uh, oh, really? Maybe I'll bring since you're recording. Maybe I'll bring her by. She might be impressed watching. Oh, this. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. Is this for? I was going to ask. Is this is for afternoon sports host that you're interviewing? Somebody? <laughs> Actually, it is. Oh, okay, yes. very we're good. Interviewing for your yeah, the sports babe. We're going to resurrect her career. And bring her. <laughs> The fabulous back sports yes, babe. Bring the fabulous back. sports babe. One, back two, in, three. Um, what? Uh, so, are you excited about baseball? Uh, I am. Okay, I am. I'm not in the baseball mode yet. It's a little cold. I know today was a media day, right? Yep. And I haven't gotten into it yet. But you know, when, I'll be there. Okay, I'll be there. Bundled up. I've been so busy with uh, we've been we've been so focused on football with Team Boneyard and basketball season that uh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So how's Team Boneyard going? What's the latatest on the uh, Team? Uh, Boneyard? I know Hank's sort of the the Hank's, main. Hank's been the point man. Um, also, uh, Doug Some, Gomes, uh, yeah, is chairman of the committee now. And Matt Slade also involved. Matt Slade is also. We yeah. we got a really good group of people who've helped us with Team Boneyard, but. Uh, the big thing that's helped us is the fact that people have responded and understand the need for NIL, and we've brought in some amazing new people. But look, Mullis is here, so <laughs> what, what am I doing here? I'm sitting in for you, Mullis. All right. By the way, I heard it was Mullis' birthday. Is it? Did you have a birthday party Yesterday this weekend? Yesterday was Mullis' birthday? Huh? I was, I was not invited. Well, it was a surprise. Come on in. Come on in. <laughs> don't, don't feel bad. I wasn't invited either. All right, the big hen exits. Mike Mullis sits down. Ah, hey guys, Mully, how are you? I'm good. How are you? It's a uh, Mully Monday. Yeah, talking pirate baseball. Yeah, uh, I tell you what, pretty cool uh, media day today. So I, I don't think I'm going to be letting the cat out of the bag here, but Mullis is going to be involved this year as the analyst for That's ESPN correct. Plus. Yep, which is pretty exciting. Yep, yep, yep. So my first foray into the uh, media day circuit was today was today 
Uh, and it was good. It, it, you know what? In the overwhelming sentiment that I left with, number one, the culture that 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 the staff has created mm-hmm. um, has been very effective as it relates to the messaging from these young men and the um, the cohesion with which they went about things. Just an impressive group of guys. I mean, really, from Root being the youngest one up through you know some of the seniors. Uh, but no, I mean. I, I, you leave there with a with a not that we didn't have a, a certain amount of optimism going into it anyway, but listen to these guys talk and they talk about how tight they are as a group. Even using the term like this is the tightest group we've ever had uh, from having been in locker rooms my whole life. When you start hearing things like that, those are things that make the difference in the hard times, right? And in a baseball season, well, they're going to be hard times. It's Cliff Godwin really likes his freshmen. He likes his freshman class, and they're going to have to rely on many of these freshmen. Yep. And when you do have freshmen, I don't care how good the class is or how good a player or a group of players are, there's going to be ups and downs in the course of the season. So that fabric, that culture, would seem to uh, be something that you have to have, especially if you're relying on a lot of young players, because it's something you can fall back on. Pretty critical, and... You know, Bristol Carter is a kid that uh, even Cliff said when asked about kind of how the lineup was going to shake. And um, Bristol Carter, uh, it appears to be the the heir apparent in center field. And then everybody else is fairly uh, names that we've all heard and we've all seen play these positions before, uh, with the one exception, Dixon Williams, obviously going in at third base for uh, for Mike Ravitz. So, uh, but, you know, you look at your Savage on the front end, Root is your number two starter. I think the back end of that rotation still has some questions. And then you start throwing out the the, the, the Lunksford Chinkman and uh, Jaden Winter and, all, I mean, all the guys in the pen. And you know what, PJ, the other thing that I had thought about before but really dawned on me today, listen to Justin, Justin Wilcoxon speak, mm-hmm. is the depth of the catching core. And so you have obviously have uh, Wilcoxon and McChrystal. Uh, McChrystal hoping to be able to spell Wilcoxon a little bit more this year than he was last year because of – you know, kind of a nagging back. Right. But then you've got the young freshman catcher, Walker, and I'm drawing a blank on his last name, but a really good defensive catcher. And and then you hear a guy like Justin Wilcoxon talking about the, the, the Walker and, and the catching core. And he, he makes such mature statements to the effect of like, yeah, you know, uh, this is the deepest we've ever been. And, man, when as Walker develops and becomes um, – you know, more understanding of the college game, what an asset he's going to be. So really, again, just the maturity level for these guys, the culture that they convey, the culture that they've absorbed over these years is more than just lip service. It's it's pretty cool to to hear them actually talk. And it could have just as easily been Cliff and Coach Palumbo and Coach right, Knight. And right. the, the, the message is consistent. All right. Uh, Molly, put your earpiece on. We'll, we'll okay. look right Sorry. there. We'll Sorry. get you straight. Yep. Should have been here on time. Uh, we will uh, – I was trying. We will, Lots of obligations. Yeah, I understand. You're a busy man. I am. Now a big TV star. Um, this is Cliff Godwin on this is the most player-led group that the Pirates have ever had. It's a chance to be the best leadership group that we've ever had here in the 10 years that I've been the coach here. And um, it's been just awesome to watch those guys continue to grow and develop and the, the closeness of this group. And You'll hear from the players, but they all told me at the end of the fall it's the closest group that we've ever had here. And, you know, you got J-Dub, who's a fifth-year guy, so half a decade he's been here. So I think he's got a pretty good idea of what has happened in the past. But Carter Cunningham has been unbelievable. Uh, Trey Savage, uh, all those junior pitchers, Jake Hunter, Hunter Shinkman. Um, I'm thinking JC has done a really good job as well. 
and there's others. There's about 14 guys in our leadership group, and we try to communicate on a regular basis, even if we're not meeting once a week, and bouncing ideas off each other. But the thing I would tell you is it's the most player-led group that we've ever had. That's kind of just what you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah, it was almost like we 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 scripted that. I wasn't here in time to to rehearse that, but no. And even you know they, the the questions asked, and, and I thought this was an incredible response. Having again been around baseball players my whole life, um, the questions asked of uh, Jenkins Coward about his most memorable college moment, and they you know the question was asked about his three home run game, and he goes, "No, that way he said it was the uh, the walk off against Houston that Wilcoxon had. That that's." That's next level selflessness when you've got, uh, you know, a handful of media members, cameras, what, and you've got an opportunity to steal the spotlight a little bit. And JC Jenkins Coward just outright went to exactly to the core of their culture and was very selfless and said, "No, you know, my most impactful moment of my of my college playing career was one of my teammates and our team's accomplishment." And and I think that's you know echoed by by what you heard from uh, from Cliff right there. All right, uh, a little more here from Coach Godwin from Media Day. He was asked about how the team got better over the fall, cut seven. We got a lot better uh, from the beginning of the fall to the end. Uh, we were able to get a lot of uh, guys out there that had not been put in those situations before. Uh, you know, everybody will probably ask about Bristol Carter, but him being able to play center field against uh, UVA and Clemson, I think that's a uh, good experience for him. Uh, Ethan Norby almost said Connor <laughs> getting out there and being able to pitch against a different uniform and some other guys, but I think it was big for Colby Wallace to get out there and a bunch of young guys. Uh, no offense, we know what Trey Savage and Zach Root and some of the older pitchers can do against different uniforms, so getting those other guys out there was a big deal. All right, uh, we'll talk some pitching here in a, in a second. Uh, the corners will also be uh, an interesting spot for the Pirates because you have to replace some production there. Yeah, corner infield and outfield. So, uh, and I say, you know, we lose Hoover and left, and he's been out there for, I mean, seems like forever. Uh, but, you know, Nowak, we've seen him out there. Everybody's pretty comfortable with that. Right field looks like it'll be JC to start. Uh, they do have some, some interchangeable parts with Cunningham coming in to play first base. You still have Cam Clotch in that mix. And then Dixon Williams and the young, and the young freshman that, that coach alluded to there. Uh, you know, third base, but then that gives you Chrisman that can bounce around between second, short, third, even playing some outfield if need be. And that's kind of away from media day, actually, just in the hallway talking with Coach Palumbo. I'm like, they are incredibly deep uh, with truly valuable depth, not just bodies right. at these yeah. spots. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we talked about it some with the catching core, but when you start looking about the interchangeable parts between the freshmen and returners, uh, corner infield, corner outfield, and then obviously with the young freshman starting center. I mean, it, it's it really is. It's it's pretty impressive, uh, kind of how they've recruited this and how this is kind of taking shape over time. And and it does feel like um, kind of some of the lumps that the program took last year in growing should pay dividends right. this year. All right, uh, we'll talk about those catchers right now. Cliff Godwin on um, a crystal staying healthy. He's worked really hard uh, with our athletic trainer, uh, Logan Rupp now, also going over to Young's Physical Therapy to manage that back. I mean, that's something that is not going to go away. He's going to have to do that, but he's been really healthy. He's been really diligent with his work with Coach Lartigue on his catching and his hitting. Um, he's continued to mature 
um, as a leader in our program. So, of course, all of us want him to have that breakout season that we've seen in the fall. I mean, both falls he's played awesome, swung the bat really well, and this past fall he played great defensively. So, you know, we want to definitely take some stress off J-Dub going into the spring and not having to catch him every inning of a – you know, coming through the loser's bracket in a conference tournament game and uh, looking at him and me having to pinch it for him in the conference tournament championship game because he, he couldn't even swing the bat. So um, we definitely think Ryan and, and also Walker Barron can take some of that workload off J-Dub this spring. It's Walker Barron. All right, uh, Justin Wilcoxon, big for the uh, young pitchers mentally. I think J-Dub's the one that, to, to me, has, and you can ask Coach Knight this, but he has a lot of conversations with the pitchers behind the scene. Behind the scene. So does Ryan, but – J-Dub, is, uh, he's got a really calm demeanor about him. As you guys can see, you don't see a lot of emotion, either really high or really low. Um, and I think the guys really respect him because he just shows up and goes to work every day. Um, when you have a guy that's a really good player that it works really hard every day, then, you, man, you earn a lot of respect by your peers. All right. There you go. Just all the things you were just talking about, Molly. Yeah, you know what? And to have a, a fifth-year catcher or fifth-year and, and – and a guy of his ilk. Yep. We're not talking about a guy that's just hung around the program right. and now is getting a chance to sure, play. Yeah. We're talking about a guy that's taken a lot of live bullets. Uh, and for him to have returned, uh, and I, I'm sure, and I'm putting words in his mouth, but just I, I'm sure that he was a little disappointed that the pro thing maybe didn't work out the way that he would have liked to mm -hmm. coming out of his junior year. Mm -hmm. But the fact that he gets a chance to return in what appears to me to be a very special opportunity, um, I, I, it, it's going to pay dividends having him back there, there. There's a stigma with older guys as far as the pros right. go. But to me, that's the one position that you might be able to stick somewhere as catcher because it's, it's almost like a defensive lineman in, in football. There's there's not a whole lot of good ones out there. Very, very difficult to come by good catching. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've seen Wilcoxon's back come around in the last, you know, really last year. I mean, he had some really, really quality of bats and, he, you know, had some power numbers. And, and I'm going to tell you, w with him, uh, I think that the, 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 uh, the fact of the continuing maturity for him, not only as a player, but as his as his games matured, uh, I think we'll see less of those pitches off that we've gotten from him and more of a complete effort behind the plate. Since you were late, we're going to hold you through the commercial. I'll be right here, buddy. And then we'll come back and have more of uh, Mondays with Molly, a new feature on the Patrick Johnson Show during the baseball season. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, we're going to talk the pitching staff. Yep. And then Molly, Coach Molly. I'm just putting it all out there. Today. Okay, do it. All right. We'll be back. You ready for this? Oh, I'm very ready. Okay, ready? You ready? Streaming to the world at 943thegame.com. This is the Patrick Johnson Show. Now in all his glory, here's the P-Man. Coach Mullis. Hey, buddy. You're back. I am. On the field. I am. In, in, a, in a somewhat limited capacity because of my responsibilities, um, you know what, East Carolina. But, right. In but case yes. you didn't, in case you're missing it, uh, just missed it. Uh, ECU uh, baseball, uh, the analyst this year for the ESPN Plus games will be mm. Mike none Mullis. None other. And hopefully you and I will get to do a couple. I sure hope so. Yeah. Considering I got you the job. That's exactly All right. Um, let's, uh, but you're back coaching. Yeah. Yeah. Helping, uh, helping out over at uh, DH Conley with, uh, 
Coach Mills and the guys, and man, it's been not a, a bad lot of program fun. to be affiliated with. No, you know, there's not a bad program in Pitt County to be affiliated True. with, quite frankly. So, uh, you know, my sons are at Conley. My wife teaches at Conley. Oh, I didn't uh, know she taught yeah, there. Yeah, okay. she's the uh, media center coordinator. Right, so you've told me that before. Yes. Yep. So we um, media center coordinator. media center coordinator, right. not to be confused with the librarian. That would have been that would have been historically the right. case. But um, yeah, so I, I'm I'm excited to be on staff. It's been great. We got a a lot of you know, a lot of a lot of kids. Eighty one kids in the program. Three teams. Um, really like our guys. I mean, it's and it's it's fun to uh, look. The game's fun. The uh, obviously love to win, but just the interaction and the the watching the maturation of these young men as young men uh, is is equally as important. You get a number. Uh, you, you know what? I haven't even asked. I, I would doubt it because I, I mean I, I won't check into a game. Right. Uh, I've told Coach Mills I'll wear I'll wear sweatpants. I'll mm-hmm. do you know whatever. Uh, the, 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 so they don't give the, the, they don't give coaches numbers like they do. I, you know what? I don't know what in, in college. I never had a number. We we would have assigned numbers, but most of the time when we you wore, coached at Pitt, you said yeah, you or even I mean other places we would. How did the people know it was you then? Well, they, they weren't really worried about me, and I, I think that's that. the th- that's the thing that uh, as a coach you don't Some really you don't really worry about. Maybe that. know that. Well, yeah, I, you know that uh, all we can do is lose games. The players win them, so we didn't. Uh, I didn't, I didn't need any, any more spotlight. I understand. Um, so we're talking some pirate baseball. It was media day today, and uh, Mike Mullis is here with us uh, in the studio. Uh, I'm going to be headed over to Inside Pirate Athletics at Tiebreakers. We might see Molly there. Yeah, maybe. Can't promise anything. But um, we will uh, we'll have Coach Swartz tonight. Uh, Steven Igo is under the weather. Oh, boy. Influenza. And uh, hopefully he'll be back soon. I, he was, uh, and I literally thought I missed him at media day. Thinking, you on there? No, he was not there. You want to so, spread it? Yeah. You want to spread the flu bug? Well, yep. you got those little kids, man. Man, I'm telling you what, and it seems to be rampant right now with right. people that are getting the uh, the daycare sicknesses. And yeah, so All take right. your vitamins, folks. Uh, obviously, ECU probably has a one and one A as far as starting pitching goes with Trey Savage and Zach Root, who I know you're very high on. So let's start there with those two. Um, I'll, I'll tell you this, and, and I hope I'm not letting any cats out of the bag, but I, I was able to get out to practice Friday, uh, and they did just some uh, – started some inter-squad stuff, and um, Trey Savage goes out to the mound. And I've seen Trey pitch countless times. And I literally took my phone out to confirm that that was him based off the number. I knew it looked like him. I knew that was his number. But the mechanics were totally different. Hmm. And when I say a marked improvement, uh, I I think for his durability, that was always a concern of mine. And last year we ran into a little bit of that where he came up tender. And, uh, you know, he was a big kind of head tilt guy and and, and pitched kind of above the top of the zone, above the barrel. And then you would see that big hammer breaking ball that would get in the dirt when you, you know, sometimes that's a good thing, but there's times where you need to be able to throw a four strike without bouncing it. Right. Um, and we would see that inconsistency. So as he's throwing, I'm looking, and I mean, he goes, you know, strikeout, strikeout, weak pop up, weak pop up, and is out of the inning, very minimal pitches. But man, it was so clean. The path was so good. And, and what the big thing I noticed is that. When you're looking at pitchers, you kind of look at arm side control and glove side control and then the stuff that goes along with that. And something that, in my opinion, Trey had struggled with was pitching to his arm side. Uh, but he was throwing off speed uh, effectively to both right-handers and left-handers, which his off speed changed up working to his arm side. Um, 
it was just really, really impressive. And I, I, you know, I thought about asking about it today, media day, but it, you know, it was kind of. Oh, a, you were going to ask a question. Well, it wasn't that, and I hadn't earned my right to ask a question. No, you yet. Ask, oh, well, yeah, look, well, there's some people there who ask questions well, of these things. That true. Have no business asking anything. True. So, but. Uh, and then you go to Root, and I, I uh, since the first time I saw that young man, you uh, it, it's homegrown. And so the, the the question is asked today about his mechanics. And I, well, what a great answer, and it makes total sense. He's like, yeah, my dad wouldn't let me throw a baseball pitching-wise until I mastered the wind-up and I had complete muscle memory of it and could basically do it you know, blind Good for his dad. No, and I, I and it makes total sense. I mean, the first time you and I talked about root, the exact word I've used every time is it's homegrown. Yeah, this is not a manufactured mechanical. It's lineup. effortless. It's you know, I, and, and and again, he doesn't probably even know who Dontrell Willis is, but mm-hmm. it reminds me of Dontrell I, Willis. But he's a Florida guy, maybe, maybe, and and also, you know, we go back to Mackenzie Gore. That's been another comparison, yeah. and I don't think it's fair to say stuff wise. I mean, that's a high bar. But the homemade nature of Mackenzie Gore's mechanics, you know, he gets out the pro ball, they try to tamper with it, he comes up a little lame, and they say, hey, go back and do what you're good at. So, no, I, I think um, big things there. I, I, you know, and I, I would say that there's a question mark in that three hole. The question mark is mine. I'm sure the staff uh, has a plan there, but from, you know, from hearing them talk today, there's been lots of guys that have shown the qualities to be that Sunday starter. Uh, and so I think it's going to be, you know, it, it, we may even have started by committee there early in the year. Uh, let's hear from Austin Knight. He talks about the bullpen, and uh, if he could describe the bullpen in one word, this is what it would be. Um, in one word, that's, that's interesting. You know, I, I hope tough, right? Like just tough. I got a bunch of guys who were able to take the ball and go finish games and, and go uh, attack the opponent and things like that. But I think what you're going to look at is you're going to have some vari- variety in the bullpen as well uh, where guys look different. There's different arm slots. There's uh, different pitch mixes. Um, and I think, you know, with the staff and with the team, you're always wanting that word to be tough, right? And so if we have a good variety of different mix from the bullpen aspect, and you also have a bunch of guys who have been in the moment and are tough and can handle the situation, I think you look at a, a bullpen that can be very successful. Um, I, I jumped the gun because I was going to ask you about the third starter and midweek, but let's let's talk about yeah. the bullpen first. I, you know, obviously, Lunsford Shinkman comes right to mind, right? We've seen him take the ball in some really big times. Uh, Jaden Winters, we've seen uh, his his progression and growth. Uh, I mean, and then these freshmen. I mean, I, there's been a lot of excitement around Norby. Uh, the, you know, you. I, I mean, I think there are going to continually be options. And you know what? I think the other side is um, the way. If you go back two years ago, the way that uh, the pitching staff was handled by necessity from the standpoint of uh, maybe bouncing starters, guys throwing kind of uh, in different roles. Again, that starts to pay dividends now. When you look at uh, Trey Savage, he's thrown in every environment. He's thrown out of every position and in every environment that you could be exposed to uh, as a pitcher. So now when he's down there kind of working with the younger guys, I say working with, going through his you know his processes to get ready, the younger guys have an example of a guy who knows what it takes to be ready whenever your number's called. So, I mean, again, I, PJ, I'll just tell you top to bottom, man, I – and this is going to sound – I mean, I think Savage is – it could be a high draft pick. Who knows? But I think he's going to be a really good pitcher this year. Same thing with Root. But I think you have a lot of other guys down there that are going to be really capable, and we don't know right now exactly how good they're going to be until 
we see them settle into these roles and kind of how this thing's going to flow because I do I do think it's going to be a little different than what we've seen each of the last two seasons. Who is the number three starter in your mind? I, I mean, Lunsford Schenkman is a name that keeps being thrown around as, as having a really good uh, fall and early spring. But I tell you what, it's really nice to have that guy in a bullpen, you know, in the bullpen when you have to make a move. So, I, you know, I don't know. And, and and what we've learned with Cliff and this staff that when we speculate something like that, all we can do is make ourselves look like idiots right. because you, you just never know. But you really can't say, okay, we're going to piece that one together as the game plan each week. No, but I think early you can to say, okay, we know where we're at one and two. Let's right. see who's available for three because we've got and, – and Cliff alluded to it in, in, in that there's like six guys that really want that spot. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's Cliff's way of saying we'll let the situation dictate where we go with that. And a lot of times that might be the Friday night situation, right? Like your Savage goes out, they make one trip to the pin, maybe two trips to the pin early, be a, probably be a few more trips. But we make limited number of trips to the pin. Okay, we kind of burn those guys, not going to start them on Sunday, but who do we have left? Right. Same thing, you know, and so you, you know, you kind of start to, 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 to be able to tailor it to the weekend, and then obviously looking at these midweek games are big. If you look at, if you look at that midweek schedule, if you just take that part of the schedule and kind of break it down, but it's no joke. I mean, and so there's a lot of RPI importance in those midweek games as it relates to you know the overall schedule. Uh, Mike Mullis is uh, with us here in the uh, studio uh, midweek. Who? I mean, obviously that same thing. Uh, yeah, same, same answer. Six, yeah. And, and again, I think that um, if it's all ifs right now, right? It's all ifs. If this happens, sure. then this is, you know. But but I, I think that the answer behind that if is going to be pretty solid, no matter which way they go. I, I really don't think that once you get past the top two guys, you have a juggernaut that's down there in any one role. I think you have a lot of guys that are very capable in lots of different roles, which is. Uh, quite frankly, from a from a coaching staff, that that's a uh, that's a great situation. This isn't like when you look at football, and I know a lot of people are probably cringing and going, "Well, we didn't have a quarterback going into football season." This isn't that situation. That you, if if we were sitting here right now saying, "Man, we really don't know who we're going to start Friday night," could the kid from George Washington? Is that- I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's been very capable. This, you know, I saw him in the fall. Very capable. Is he your midweek guy? I don't know. Is he your Sunday guy? I don't know. But that's it's because he was the Friday guy. Yeah, he's 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 very capable. We saw him. We did. Yeah. So uh, you know, I think um, I think they have a lot of answers. This is it's kind of unique again, and I keep saying this. I think, quite frankly, going into this, they do have more answers than questions. The questions are just a bigger deal to us than they are to the coaching staff. Uh, Up the middle. Same thing. You know, you, you same you, Starling Star, Barini. Starling Barini. So it's Barini's job, right? Yep. Now. I, I, I feel like it. And there's again, there's a couple younger guys that are going to push him. Uh, and then you have Chrisman that can mix in there. Uh, I, and, you know, you think about a kid like Jacob Starling and, and where he's come from to where he is now. Um, I think he's a big part of, of the culture of this program. I mean, that's a kid that since the first day he stepped on the field, it was nothing but, but kind of swagger. You know, there was. There was that uh, that that kind of pro ball feel with him, and that th- this moment's not too big. And and you look at what he's done in the big moments, and um, so you know this is, um, I mean, this is his year. Ryder is the opening uh, week, yes, um, or opening season, opening opponent, yeah, yeah, opening, for, yeah opening three, yep. 
Uh, and then you got uh, Carolina coming in here after you go to Bowie's Creek. That that early on trip to Bowie's Creek. And that's you know that that's always an interesting game. The one we saw last year was kind of sloppy. Remember, and yeah. the, you know we got some big arms going with them. You know a lot of a lot of velocity up there, but uh, yeah, off to a fast start. Obviously, uh, still have some homework to do on Ryder. Uh, but we, you know, what they, we know what to expect with Campbell, and obviously uh, with the with the Hills, and that's a that's an interesting uh, structure for that for that series where they're doing uh, one in Chapel Hill and then one in Fayetteville, mm-hmm. and then coming back here on Sunday to play. And I think was it last year? I think it was last year that we saw the rain out on mm-hmm. one of the days, and yeah, ends up being Friday a double. Yeah, ends up, up being a double header. Well, it winds up being played later in the year. Maybe in, in Greenville, yeah, they yeah. played, but they, it seemed like did they play a late game here on Sunday night or something that was a anyway? It, it's that 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 time of the year, um, the schedule can be uh, can be changed very quickly due to weather. It's just the nature yeah. of the beast. One of the games because that last year they couldn't find a, a, the third uh, the, the, the neutral pro venue. venue. That's yeah. right. That's right. That's a little harder to find. I gotta imagine. Well, and I think it's gotten you know it's to the point now with uh, with all these venues and people trying to get creative with scheduling that it it, it comes down to the the negotiation excuse me between the rental of the facility and how much how how many resources how much how much money do we want to spend to do this and what's the revenue on the back end can we just break even on this or do we go in the hole trying to play a game in Durham uh, you know and I, I mean if you think back a few years ago uh, East Carolina going to Durham to play Duke I think it was. And the, the complaint that we couldn't get in the stadium because they were understaffed, so people taking tickets. And then, you know, if you wanted a beverage or a hot dog, or whatever, it was, the lines were forever and whatever. So, and we're spoiled. I mean, where else would you rather play than right here? Right. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, there, there's not a, yeah, it's kind of cool to go play to Pro Park, but I mean, th- this, it's kind of hard to beat this. Yeah. You know, between between the and facilities, it, it is and, really really well run with its concessions and tickets oh, and all that. It's very well run. And they, so. you know, they figured out a lot of things over the year. And you know, now that you know, if you want to get a cold beer and a hot dog, you have you know have at it. It's all available for you right there at the stadium. Uh, Mike Mullis is uh, with us. We'll we'll talk to Mully throughout the uh, season, and yeah. it'll be a lot of fun to uh, to talk baseball. With, yeah, uh, I am. Mullis. I am. Uh, I'm. Ex- I'm excited. I'm always excited about you know this time of the year, but a lot going on and a lot to look forward to. And hot stove coming up this week, and uh, you know, and then that that to me kind of officially kicks things off. Who's and, uh, the hot stove? Ah, uh, you know what? I thought year. you were going to ask me that. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm drawing a blank. I know I know who it is, but I'm drawing a blank. Let's just say Kirk Gibson. Let's go with that. Uh, he's <laughs> not. We don't know. No, that. we don't know. We don't know that. Um, we know that it's not. We know that. It's we know not. for sure yeah, that much. That's we not. know it's not. Um, oh, by the way, happy birthday! Thank you. Buddy. You had a birthday yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Did 21. Yep. So you can finally have a beer, huh? Twenty. I I may. Yeah. I may. I may go to uh, to tiebreakers and watch the coach's show and, and have, have one a, tonight. A, yeah. Maybe. Beers never touch it's those uh, lips. Definite maybe. Definite maybe. <laughs> I don't know. You'll be there. Um, anything from the? I know you don't have the schedule in front of you, but is there anything from the schedule that you? Uh, let, let me ask you about the the Clark Leclaire, or excuse me, the Leclaire tournament. Purdue. Yeah. State Fullerton. Yep. That'll be fun. Yeah, you know that's and then Jason, southeastern Louisiana. Jason Dietrich coming back yep. with uh, with, with uh, Cal State Fullerton, so it'll be fun to see him and uh, you know have his crowd here and and another Big Ten. These Big Ten teams love to come they, here and play. They do, and you know, again, we get lost in the fact that the expectations in Greenville are that there will just be three thousand people at a game or whatever the number is. These teams will come in here regardless of what the weather is. I mean, now it's been brutally cold for some of these you know tournament weekends. 
and they'll just be amazed. You, a program like Cal State Fullerton, they just don't fill up the. There's a lot to do out there, right? It's not a. Yeah. It's not the heartbeat of the community a lot like it is here. So those teams will come in, they'll get their eyes open, they'll get exposed to the you know the eastern North Carolina. I, I know it's East Carolina, but the eastern North Carolina love for baseball and the hospitality and the you know the kids always have stories about you know somebody bringing them a, a plate of a barbecue right. or a hot yeah. dog or whatever and that's always that's always really cool so uh looking forward to that obviously I mean I think the one that's circled on the calendar for a lot of people was uh NC State coming yeah. here obviously Oof. going there will be good yeah. but <laughs> NC State coming here and uh <gasps> there'll be some mixed emotions in that game and and I I just you know I, that'll that will be certainly an interesting game. I think as it relates to conference, you know, and, and that was asked today, who knows? Who knows what this, you know, exactly how everything's going to shake. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, it, it is a different look and different than what we've seen. Some some familiar faces, but, uh, you know, largely, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of be getting to know each other as we, you know, as we play. Uh, good to see you, Molly. Always, buddy. And again, a belated happy birthday to you. Thank you, pal. All right. We're going to uh, take a break when we return. Uh, Phil the ref Pilkington with a 94-3 the game sports flash update and and pirate report and then Pilk will have an expanded pirate report for you to wrap up the show talking uh, maybe some more from media day but definitely some pirate basketball all right uh, speaking of pirate basketball they are playing tonight uh, or, or uh, the radio show is tonight the coaches show inside pirate athletics from tiebreakers I'm headed over there and we will uh, hear uh, from coach Swartz tonight Thank you, Molly. We'll be and thanks to Big Hen, Henry Hen yeah. for coming by. Pitch it, pinch it for you. Pitch it, Hen. Yeah, pinch it, Hen. All right, we'll be back right after this with uh, the ref with an update and a lot more to wrap up the show. here with your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash Update and Pirate Report. Over the weekend, the Pirate men's basketball team dropped their third straight, a 69-61 loss to UAB. Coach Schwartz said it was the turnovers that cost them the game. The turnovers. I'm, I'm, uh, I mean, obviously shots are, it's the turnovers. Uh, our guard play wasn't good today. Uh, we had 10 turnovers of our 16 came from our guards. The women's team snapped a three-game skid with a 68-61 win over SMU. Danae McNeil led the way with a career-high 35 points. Over the weekend, the track team performed well in Blacksburg up in Virginia Tech with eight podium finishes. Also, 14 performances ranked in the top 10 in program history in their respective categories. Also, two school records were broke as Royal Burris ran a 33-79 in the 300-meter run and believe Alicia Mozana ran a 7.29 in the 60-meter dash. The first of seven head coaching vacancies in the NFL have been filled as Antonio Pierce has had the interim tag dropped and will be the full-time head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. The Eagles have fired defensive coordinator Sean Desai, and they are also moving on from linebackers coach Matt Patricia, who took over the play-calling duties on the defensive side of the ball for the last month of the season. On the PGA Tour, Nick Dunlap won the American Express Open to become the first amateur to win a PGA event in 33 years. Over the past weekend on the DP World Tour, Roy McIlroy claimed his 38th career professional victory at the Dubai Desert Classic. Tonight, there's a big one going on in the ACC as Carolina looks to stay unbeaten in league play as they host Wake Forest at 7 o'clock. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash Update and Pirate Report. On the other side of this timeout, we will
will hear post-game comments from head basketball coach Mike Schwartz following the Pirates' loss to the Blazers. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Welcome back into the Patrick Johnson Show. Patrick making his way over to tiebreakers for Inside Pirate Athletics. I'm Philip Pilkin. He's going to be taking you home with today's Pirate Report as we hear some post-game comments from head coach Mike Schwartz following the Pirates' third consecutive loss of the season or third consecutive loss of the streak uh, down in Birmingham to UAB. After the game, Coach Schwartz highlighted as to why he believes his team came up short. The turnovers. I'm, I'm, uh, I mean, obviously shots are – it's the turnovers. Uh, our guard play wasn't good today. Uh, we had 10 turnovers of our 16 came from our guards. Uh, you know, between uh, four guys that play the point guard spot for us, 10 turnovers. Uh, Mike and I talked this morning. The, the number one focus was rebounding the basketball. We've been very good in conference play taking care of the ball. Uh, we absolutely – you know, imploded on you know you call it what you want to call it, but 16 turnovers uh, on the road. Uh, we we take care of the ball. And we have 10 turnovers today. 11, maybe you know we win this game. Coach there mentioned the four guys that played the position. Really, only three played. It is Caleb Account only saw one minute. The Pirates were very thin, only having six players play over 10 minutes in the game. Eight total players subbed in the game, but Sir Malonga only playing six minutes due to foul trouble there on the front court because he had four fouls in his six minutes. However, Coach did say there were positives to take away from the Pirates' performance. The positives were, again, I, I thought we defended and we, we rebounded, and rebounding is, is, is critical. I mean, you know, yes. we were uh, – that's a huge thing. Uh, we shot the ball fairly well. You go eight for 24 from three. You shoot the ball well. I thought we had some guys step up. You know, I, we didn't get to the free throw line as much as, as I would have liked. I mean, we were trying to attack the basket, and you give them credit. I mean, there was, uh, you know, we were we, we drew 10 fouls the entire game, and, you know, they drew 17, and a couple of them were late game where we had to foul. But, um, you know, uh, our bigs, we had two bigs with two double-doubles. Uh, you know, I really challenged our bigs after the North Texas game, and I said our guards played, uh, but our bigs, I didn't think, brought it to the level. Brandon did, but I thought our five spot, we got significantly outplayed in the North Texas game. Coach mentioned one of the positives there being defense, and um, really that has been the one thing that I think has been going well for this team. It's definitely a Mike Schwartz brand of basketball of late, only allowing 60 points to North Texas um, last time out, and then you know just 68 this time against UAB. However, um, the offense has just not been consistent enough, and that's kind of been the problem all year. Not a real consistent offense. The other thing is not been able to win the close games. They did beat Tulsa by five and then had the buzzer beater against Kennesaw State. But other than that, they've really struggled in some of the close games. You look at the um, USC Upstate game. Obviously, the North Texas game, the Florida game. Uh, they did lose to FAU by uh, 15, but it didn't seem like that as they were only down by two with, you know, four and a half to play. And then the offense just kind of goes cold. And that's kind of unfortunately been the thing of late, really, of the last couple of years is just it seems like there's always a six to eight minute stretch where the offense goes cold. And if you can just, you know, you don't have to be great during that stretch, but I think you win a lot more games if you just don't go. You know, 10 minutes without scoring, and they finished the game on Saturday shooting just two of their last 12 from the field because the reason is this defense really is solid. You've just got to 
not have those offensive woes, and, and you can really be in a good spot. So speaking of some of those offensive woes, though, it's got to do with turning the ball over. Coach mentioned that's one of the big reasons they lost on Saturday, and then he went on to talk about kind of what was the reason for turning the ball over as much as the Pirates did. To close out a game like this, you got to take care of the basketball. Yes. Uh, you know, the, again, we saw every defense I thought our, you know, our guys handled. It, the funny thing is, you know, the pressing and the changing defense, defenses wasn't the part that caused the turnovers no. it was just careless passes and, mm-hmm. and and fumbles and dropping the ball and you know one hand catches y- y- i mean just things like that like you know and so you know we saw one three one tonight we saw one three one four we saw two three defense we saw man-to-man switching we saw a three two defense okay. so every, and the guys adjust, we ran you know the um, they're going to get going, of course. They're going to get – they make some shots. They're at home. It's a great environment, as you said. UAB basketball is a rich basketball tradition. But guard play, you have to take care of the ball. Yes. And if you take care of the ball, uh, you give yourself a chance to get to the free throw line late and do things like that. Coach there kind of talked about the careless passing and the on-court chemistry kind of has seemed to be a little bit of the issue. Now, obviously, a little bit of that does have to do, um, you know, where – Cam couldn't play for so much of the year. Really, this offense has not quite found their identity yet. So we'll see if they can get back to those winning ways at Wichita State on Wednesday. The network coverage will start for that as part of the ECU Sports Network right here on 94.3 The Game, as well as our sister station, 1079 at 7 o'clock for that 7.30 Eastern tip. So not as late as it could be considering they're playing out in Wichita on the Central Time Zone. The Pirates did go to Wichita last year and grab a win, and Wichita is really struggling at this point in the season. They have not won a conference game this year as they sit last in the conference at 0-5. They are 8-10 and on the season, but no real big wins, nothing of, um, you know, of any sort of you know note during the off season they beat St. Louis 80 or sorry not in the off season but in the uh in the non-conference they beat St. Louis 88-69 I don't think the Billikens are what they used to be they took care of business against some non-D1 teams and they beat Western Kentucky and they're not bad but um beat Richmond by 10 Richmond's not what they used to be so barely beat Southern Illinois by just one point and as mentioned you know 0 and 5 in league play and when you look heading into league play they had lost four of their last five now out of those three of those four in that were to Missouri Kansas State and Kansas but still the fact that they have lost nine of their last ten hopefully the Pirates can jump up and take advantage of what is a struggling Shockers team and this is obviously a team that historically does not struggle like this on the Hard court. So that'll do it for our pirate report today. Kind of looking forward now as we do have a few minutes left here in the show, or I guess looking backward to over the weekend, the NFL divisional round wrapped up. And uh, we'll start with the AFC. The Baltimore Ravens took care of the Houston Texans. And, you know, I've been saying this all year the Texans are a good football team, but they just cannot sustain drives. They have to rely on explosion plays. Baltimore took those explosion plays away from them and they were unable to score at the level that what they are used to scoring. It was a 34 to 10 victory for Baltimore and I think that is the next step 
for this Raven or for this Texans offense is to have sustained drives. They have Nico Collins. They've had Tank Dell for most of the year until he got hurt against Denver. And those guys can get down the field. And I'm not saying they can't be pieces that can help this team just kind of chug down the field, but they are going to need some more pieces. And I think C.J. Stroud will adapt well to that. He just needs the weapons. And going over to the other AFC game, the Ravens will be hosting the AFC title game. The last time Baltimore hosted the AFC title game, was the 1970-1971 season. Johnny Unitas and the Ravens hosted, or and the Colts, excuse me, hosted that game. They defeated the Raiders, went on to beat the Cowboys in Super Bowl V. So big thing for the city of Baltimore, they're being able to host an AFC title game. I guess the last time they hosted was the first ever AFC title game as it was the uh, first year after the merger of the NFL and the AFL. And uh, looking at the other game, Chiefs defeated the Bills in what was the game most anticipated over the weekend. It lived up to the hype. The Bills' defense were just not able to get stops. The Chiefs scored on all but one drive, not including the drive that ended the first half and the second half, but you know, full drives. Um, the only one they didn't score on was the turnover where Pacheco fumbled the ball at the one that went out of bounds. And... Patrick Mahomes now 3-0 against Josh Allen in the playoffs, and uh, there was a very excited Jason Kelsey in the stands, shirtless. I guess that's what you can do when you're retired and you're worth millions. Um, you don't have to worry about ever being employed again, so if you make a fool of yourself on TV, no one's going to say, hey, I don't want to hire that guy. Well, who cares? He spent 13 years in the NFL. He's a six-time, I believe, All-Pro, maybe seven and uh, it was cool to see him there cheering on his brother. Then we go over to the NFC side. The Detroit Lions going to the NFC title game for the first time since 91. Only their second ever NFC championship game since the merger. Also their first of the 2000s, which is still one more NFC title game appearance than the Dallas Cowboys. Just thought we'd throw that out there. And they defeated the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who I really want to get into this Bucs team at some point in the offseason. We have time, maybe on a slow day, because it's going to be interesting to talk about what is the future of for Baker Mayfield. He is now going to be a free agent. He has played like 2020 Baker Mayfield. He threw for over 340 yards uh, yesterday and three touchdowns. The Lions will be traveling to San Francisco, who knocked off Green Bay. What a season by the Packers and Jordan Love there to go 9-8. and eight. Sneak in as the 7th seed, be the first ever 7th seed to win an NFL playoff game. They go on the road to San Fran and had them on the ropes but unfortunately, we're just not able to pull it off. Maybe Christian McCaffrey can get a Super Bowl ring. Something good had to come out of that trade. The Panthers didn't get any first-round picks out of it, so um, maybe run CMC can at least get a Super Bowl ring out of it. That will about wrap it up for our show here today. Stay tuned in right here for Inside Pirate Athletics with Patrick Johnson and Coach Mike Schwartz. No Stephen Igo, uh, as he's still feeling a little under the weather. But uh, come back tomorrow for the Patrick Johnson Show. Thanks to the P-Man. Thanks to Molly, uh, Mike Mullis, for joining us. Thanks to the Big Hen. Also, thanks to all of our crew behind the scenes, Scooter and Joey Football, helping us out, getting some of that audio prepared for today's show. We want to thank you for tuning in and enjoy 
Inside Pirate Athletics. Right after this, we will be taking a break, and then we will toss you on out over to Tiebreakers. Have a great rest of your evening, Pirate Nation. We'll be right back. 